Sunday morning, reaching towards the afternoon, and me bopping in my ACU. And I'm on my way to church with a double cup. Yeah, I'm on my way to church with my double cup. Hold up, both cups. Show no shame in Jesus' name, man. When I say hold that shame, I mean hold that shame up high. It's cold outside, wintertime. Wear that jacket. Everybody outside already see it pointing and got an opinion, but God saw the inside and still let you in the door? Do you realize what that is you walking in? That's that favor. That's that forgiveness that comes from the Almighty God. So with that being said, come as you are. The doors of the church are open. This is Church with a Double Cup. And I am none other than your brother, XL Wilbur, reporting to you live from your side. I thank you for joining me again for another week. Highest of gratitude to everybody that's recurring and to our newcomers. Yes. And amen. Welcome. This is the Bible study podcast that questions God. And before you run away because of that, the doors are locked anyway. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> All jokes aside. When we read the Word of God, as new believers, as people coming back into the Word, as people trying to debunk the Word, when we read the Word of God, a lot of times it doesn't make sense to us. So what we have to do, just as in school getting instruction, the Bible instructs us, we have to raise our hand and ask questions. Ask God, ask God questions and help us better understand it. So each week, we take a chapter. We take a fragment of a chapter. I'm not going to say that we take a whole chapter sometimes. We do fragments like we're going to do in this one, and it's going to make a lot of sense why we're doing that. But we take one each week, historical facts opinions, theories, but we don't go off of them. We put word on word to put together the puzzle that God wants us to see in the big picture. So I thank you guys for joining me once again. This is episode 13, The Man Right Cheer. <laughs> and we're going to talk about it as we continue our reason series for December. The reason for the season, we're talking about Jesus, prophetic sayings of Jesus coming into the world that we've been doing, reasons, uh, chapters that are pointing to Jesus, those type of things. And as we come up on this Christmas day, this week, yeah, some of you may be hearing this on Christmas Eve. Some of you might be hearing this on Christmas Day. But while we're still in the Christmas season, we're going to focus on the reason. So getting right into it, every great Bible study needs to start with a word of prayer. So if you're so inclined, join me. Father God, thank you for today's journey. Thank you for getting us to this point. Thank you for putting us in a place to be receptive to be willing to hear, to be willing to learn, to want to get closer to you, move the religion out the way, and bring on the relationship. So we thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that helps us to understand it a little better. We thank you for just allowing us direct contact with you, not having to go through man in order to get to you. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for his mission that we might have a mission here on earth. We might have a purpose if we can't find a purpose. We have a purpose already, and that's to continue to spread the gospel, living off Christ's example. And thank you as we continue to talk about him coming into the world and how much of a gift that actually was for us. We thank you for loving us enough to forgive us and see us as we are, yet still want to use us for your purpose. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right, so this week what we're going to do is we're going to take two of the Christmas stories of Jesus' birth in the Bible. There are two of the Gospels, two of the four Gospels. If you don't know what the Gospels are, those are Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John, the four Gospels that talk about Jesus' life in particular, like examples and things like that. But there are only two that mention his actual birth. So yeah, we're going to talk about that. And that's why I said at the beginning, we're not going to do full chapters in these because there are only portions of these chapters that actually talk about Jesus' birth. And we got to stick to the script because we're going to drive what the reason 
for this season actually is by addressing and questioning God on the accounts of his birth and why they're different. We're going to debunk that too. We're going to find out exactly what that's all about. So when we look at these two, we got Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 through Matthew chapter 2, verse 12. Then we got also the book of Luke chapter 1 with verses 1 through 21. And for those of you who are following along, I'll be using the New International Version. If I go to a different version to push a point or anything like that, I don't think I did it too much in this one. I will actually let you know that that's what I'm doing so that we can better understand what God is telling us. So here, when we start in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother, Mary, was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So I need y'all to understand this. Let's put some skin on this. Let's make this real for us. He, it said that Joseph was a man that followed the law that was faithful to the law. So that means he was an upright, law-abiding citizen. Then for him to be arranged in marriage to somebody who was already pregnant when he got with her? Like, hold up. Nah, wait, wait. This is what Joseph had to say. Trust issues were a thing even back then. <laughs> Joseph was like, yo, 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 yo. Y'all got me arranged to marry somebody that's for the streets? <laughs> like, like, he's like, oh, hold up. I know I'm a square. But even I can't wife nobody for the streets, man. That belong to the streets? I can't wife that, man. What y'all doing? It's what he's probably telling his people. The ones who had it arranged was probably his parents, of course, in that culture. And he was like, yo, I can't do this. So he's like, but think about it is, I'm not going to put her over there. I'm not going to blast her out like that. My Facebook account got dis deleted anyway. I deactivated my accounts. I'm not going to put her out there. <laughs> so that's basically what Joseph was saying. Yo, I'm going to go ahead and make that quiet. Keep it on the hush. But yeah, I can't do this. one. As we go back to the chapter, verse 20 says, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And that just kind of gives you some background as to what the name Jesus actually meant, which is Yeshua in the Hebrew format, which means salvation to save. There's a lot of different definitions as to what that name actually means, but in essence, it means salvation, to save. And then you look at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said about the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So, one question I had to ask God was this. How in one verse is this saying he's supposed to be called Emmanuel, but the angel told Joseph to call him Jesus? And I had a real question about that, as a lot of you may have. But then I had to look at the actual wording. The prophecy said they will call him Emmanuel. The angel told Joseph directly, hey, hey folks, when Jesus comes into the, when the son comes into the world, name him Jesus. All right. Not going against his word, I wouldn't think far as God goes, but he said they will call him Emmanuel. They will say, God is with us. 
because Hebrew names back then, that's what I love about those Hebrew names, is that those things actually meant something. So when you were called something, those are the pe- things that people looked at you like. There are stories in the Bible, if you look through it, where names meant something and it was part of their destiny. Or it was one of the reasons that their story was so profound because they were named one thing to show God's faith in another. You know what I'm saying? Just like Isaac, his name, was, his name meant laughter because his mama laughed when he was like, I'm too old to have a baby. But he came about. Those type of things. So I realized that's what it kind of meant when it says Emmanuel in the prophecy. But the name we come to know him as is Jesus, which the angel came to Joseph to tell him to name him directly. It's right there in the word. As we move on into Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I, too, may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream, not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So this is frankly because Herod was jealous. They say some the king of the Jews, Herod, like, I'm king. <laughs> and so they say he was disturbed when he heard this. So these magi, wise men, were actually astrologers, people that studied the stars. They were talking about, we've seen the star. So it doesn't really leave the speculation. Because they said we were watching a star. We saw the star. Astrologers study stars, space, things like that. So there's not much more, much to speculation as to who these magi actually were. They are people who read the stars. Astrologers were not uncommon back then. And I kind of want to debunk a little myth that people want to take three wise men. I'm not really sure where that came from. I didn't really look into researching why it was narrowed down to three men, but it never numbers exactly how many of these wise men it was. And a lot of my studies, it actually said that it was maybe a, a lot more than that. Maybe a company of wise men, astrologers or people like that. Especially when you're talking about somebody who's supposed to be deemed the Messiah that they've been looking for anyway, and they saw the star. He said, it was just like, hey, yo, um, we saw the star. Um, where, 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 where the baby at? <laughs> and that's exactly what these wise men came and asked them. So that ends the birth story of Jesus in Matthew. But let's go into Luke chapter 1, where it says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. 
This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloth and laying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. And when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they got direct confirmation from the angels of the Lord themselves saying, yo, that Messiah y'all been waiting on, you know, yeah, the king, the one that's supposed to help Israel out, he here. And I'm going to tell you where to find him at. Oh, for real? <laughs> that's what these shepherds is like. You got to think, man, these shepherds, they were common working people, blue collar people. You dig what I'm saying? So they were basically just out there watching, on night watch, security guards pretty much for these sheep. and. The angels of the Lord came to them, and they saw these angels celebrating. They're like, oh, man, this is crazy, yo. Yeah, yeah. And saying that these shepherds that were looking for baby Jesus were common folks just like us, guess what? They probably bust up in every barn in the area like, yo, 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 yo. Y'all got a baby up in here? <laughs> oh, oh, no? My bad. And then they go, oh, let's go to the next barn. Because all they were told is that there's a baby in a manger. So they looking for the Messiah in all these barns around the area. They probably bust up in everywhere like, where you at, though? <laughs> I promise you, because I probably would have been one in the same boat if I got that kind of sign to tell me that the Messiah that I've been looking for is here and just go look in a barn for a baby. Yeah, yeah. And I got it from an angel of the Lord. Confirmation. Let's go make that happen. Bust up an airy barn, man. Trying to find out what's going on with this Messiah. And then as we go to verse 16 in this same chapter, so they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named. Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So that ends that account of the Luke version of the story. So this is the part of the show where I want to kind of put some things together. Let's put some things into perspective because there's always going to be that big question 
Why are there two different versions of the story of Jesus' birth? So you look at Luke's validity. When you look at Luke chapter 1, verse 1, it says, Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of things that you have been taught. So Luke wasn't there firsthand, it sounds like. It's just like he was just an investigator. From his own words right there, he said, I've done the investigating from people who were eyewitnesses to it. So he was just passing on the information from that right there. And that's, that could be, that's not so much an assumption as it is him telling it himself. I investigated it. He didn't say, I saw it myself. He said, I investigated it and the stuff that we got from the eyewitnesses. I did this and I'm writing an account based on what I've gathered from my investigation. Is basically what he's saying. So then we look at Matthew's account as an, a disciple of Jesus who actually walked that walk with him. Because Matthew was a crook before he met Jesus. But then he got on his team and he was rolling. Because you got to look at it like this. He points directly to Jesus' messiahship. Because you go to chapter 1 in Matthew, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. And he points to the Old Testament prophecies a lot throughout his account of Jesus' birth. And is backing this claim throughout the book that Jesus was the Messiah that was foretold about in prophecy and the ones that we've talked about in previous episodes this month. So you got accounts from the secondhand witness and from a firsthand witness. But when it comes down to the birth of Jesus, we can't truly say either one of them were actually there. But at the same time, Matthew could have got that game directly from Jesus the same way that it's divinely inspired for Luke to get it directly from, as some sources say, Peter, though it's never really pointed to Peter in Luke that that's who he got it from. Luke basically said in the verse we just read that he put together his invest he investigated and put together his own account based on eyewitnesses that he was able to encounter. It never says who those eyewitnesses actually were. It just says who he was writing to, which was Theophilus. And another thing we can definitely see in these two stories is the differences in between the two. When it comes to the Magi being in one, the wise men or whatever, and the shepherds being in the other. Those two different accounts of the people who went to witness Jesus' birth. So, when you talk about it like that, the Christmas story that a lot of us have been fed with all these different things in it are debunked by the word itself. And it makes it simple and plain as to what actually happened. So, to do us the diligence, I kind of put it in order. When you look at Matthew chapter. 1, 18 to 25, it talks about Joseph finding out about Mary's pregnancy and the angel telling him the deal in a dream and to name the child Jesus. Then Luke chapter 2, 1 through 5, gives you the backstory leading up to Jesus' birth of them going to Bethlehem, going to do the census and things like that. Then you talk about in Luke 2, as we continue on in 6 and 7, it talks about Jesus' birth directly. But after that, you can bounce back to Luke chapter 1, 8 through 21, where the shepherds were met by the angels to go see Jesus. And then if you look at it a little bit further, to put this in perspective, I'm going to put some more on it. The Magi or the wise men actually go to see Jesus in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, that whole account of them inherit and actually basically go see the Messiah. 
And I'm going to tell you why that Magi portion should be last. If you look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. So two years have passed since this account of Herod being approached by these wise men of the Magi. And if you look up Google Maps right now, from the city of Jerusalem to Bethlehem, even on foot, it don't take you but like an hour and some change. So you got to consider that when you say, when exactly did they see this star? But when it talked about the shepherds, the shepherd, the angel of the Lord told the shepherds, this day there will be the Messiah born in this town of David. And they went to see him that day. So yeah, that's why the Magi one had to take place a little bit later. Two years and under, how long would you just sit there and be like, oh, they ain't came back yet. Man, that baby, how long, how long ago that baby was born? About two years ago? About one and a half, yeah, about one and a half. All right, man, go and kill off all the kids two years and under, man, just to, just to be on the safe side. No, it's like that's craziness to, for them to be that close. It would have said 8.2 kilometers. I'm looking at the screen right now on Google Maps from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. And on foot, it's just an hour and 47 minutes. So, yeah, that, yeah, that had to happen after all this other stuff. But it's placed in different places in these chapters. So now that the biblically scholar stuff is out the way, <laughs> school is over with, I need us to remember one thing specifically. What really matters, no matter how the story is told, is that Jesus was born to die for us to have direct contact with God, be forgiven for our sins, and those things matter the most. His love for us. He was born to show God's love for us in the ultimate way, giving up himself for us. So if you don't take anything away from this, which I pray you do. There's a lot of lot packed into this. <laughs> but take away that this reason that we celebrate this season in the way we celebrate it is because God's love was shown. Whether it historically happened during December, there's a lot of people out there saying it didn't. Whatever and whenever it happened, it happened for our good. It showed God's love for us. So I pray you spread God's love as I challenge myself to do the same. Keep me in your prayers as I pray for you and yours. Safety over your holiday and thereafter. Thank you for joining me. I pray you join me again next week. And we're going to do this again. Breaking forth this word open so they can better understand God's nature. I pray that God's love shows itself to, shows itself to you in a new way today. In Jesus' name. Go in peace. Blessings. You have just listened to Church with a Double Cup, the podcast, hosted by XL Wilbur. This show is recorded in Wilbur Dome, North Carolina. The theme song is Church with a Double Cup by G Preach. XL Wilbur can be followed on social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram, under XL Inspirations and the XL Wilbur YouTube channel. Website soon to come. Thank you for your continued support. Blessings. Church with a 
Yeah, I'm leaving out the church with my double cup. Yeah, I'm leaving out the church with my double cup. Yeah, I'm leaving out the church with my double cup. Yeah, I'm leaving out the church with my double cup. Yeah, I'm leaving out the church with my double cup. Yeah, I'm leaving